Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 25! That's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm proud of us. I can sleep now. (laughs) You can sleep easy. Why was 25 your limit? I don't know. It seems like an accomplished number. (laughs) See, we've done 25. That's good. We didn't like give up after three. No, we didn't. <laughs> it's usually around about six yeah. that you sort of see people kind of go, I, this is yeah, work. It's, it's a lot of work. It's an this awful lot of is, effort. I don't want to. No, yeah. it's 25. And we've stuck with it. We have stuck with it. And you guys have stuck with us too. Oh, you're mad. So beautiful. How are you, Nick? I am very well. I have gin. All is well. Any poisonings this week? Uh, not, uh, not so far. Not so far. It's very boring recently. No, we need to we need to do more poisonings. And to liven things up a bit. We do, we do. We need to just just little poisonings, just yes. tiny, weeny, tiny. Just a ones. small amount of death. On that note, we yeah. should thank our on Patreon that. subscribers. <laughs> on that who happy are, note, who are our minions and our, uh, our cult members, and who are hopefully still alive. We would like to thank Gabrielle Capello, Kate Milton Malden, Talia Kemp, and Mel Howley. Thank you, beautiful people. You're lovely and very, very sexy. Thank you very much. Love you very much. That's and we good. had a we had a special Patreon episode this week, didn't we? We had an expert oh, we witness. We did. We had a fantastic episode from Tim. Tim telling us about marvelous historical craziness. Yes, really. it absolutely <laughs> was insane. Right. No, it was just mad. And we may have some other expert witnesses coming up on the main show as well. Not just for Patreon subscribers. Oh no, no, we have more <laughs> coming. Maybe we'll reveal it later. Or uh, maybe uh, uh, there isn't. You'll never know what he might do soon. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think they will work yeah. it out eventually. <laughs> like, no, that's backfired on me, really, hasn't it? <laughs> Through the passage of time. And another very exciting thing we have to announce this week. We have launched some delightful Poisonous Cabinet merchandise. Yay! Which is on Teespring. So we have some excellent t-shirts and some mugs and some stickers. Everyone likes a good sticker. Everyone needs a sticker. Needs a sticker. I need one for my work computer or something. And all manner of other lovely things the link is in our bio on social media and we'll share it we've shared it across all the platforms go and have a look at it and send us pictures wearing exciting things or with an exciting cup of tea in your new mug yes please do and give us feedback about what you think about the merch we are obviously bound by the merch providers but if there's more stuff that you want to see if there's different designs let us know because it's pretty easy to Throw this shit together. <laughs> quality, quality, mate. Quality, quality. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's good quality. I ordered yeah. the samples and I was impressed. I'm glad to hear it. My breasts have been emblazoned by the logo. <laughs> <laughs> I should need to buy some t-shirts as well. And then mine shall be too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick. Yes? Are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? <laughs> what in the hell was that? <laughs> Mixing it up, man. Right, I'm, I'm, yeah, which is great. It's great. Yes, I am. <laughs> or. Or oh, there's an or. <laughs> drink poison. 
and talk about cocktails. No, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Shock demonstration voice. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go with the, we'll go with the former. Let's go. Let's go. Let's with stick the with the former. Yes. Let's it's stick with the former. So far, well, yes. it is my story this week. It is your story? I get to snooze. No, I shouldn't snooze. No, 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 no. You it's you can't be, snooze through this one. Too exciting. It's too exciting because it's episode twenty five. I decided it's to a biggie. We needed to do a biggie, but 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 we cannot 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 possibly continue. Without a cocktail in hand. God, no, we can't. As it's my story, I chose a secret ingredient, which yes, is you did, inspired you? by the tale that we tell and will flavour the cocktail. Will it indeed? Will it flavour it and with this... a lovely, lovely flavour? <laughs> tell and... us of the flavour of the secret ingredient. And this week's secret ingredient is... Bell. Not even a bell. It's just bell. A bell? A bell. A bell. Bell. A bell. Right, yes, that lovely... Well-known bellish Belly taste. Belly taste. That lovely, round, ringing, metallic sort of taste. Nice. You're selling it well. Come on, I'm just right? going to say, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How much shit do I get for putting this nonsense? You give me exactly the same shit. Yeah. We both, let us just agree, some weeks it is hard. And I was surprised, I was convinced that I would find more... I did send you a couple of alternatives and you just went, that's insane. You know, you didn't. I did. You sent me bone. Yeah. That's not an, that's not an ingredient either. Oh, uh, did I not send you um, roast beef? No. Because that was one. Well, that could have worked. Could it? Well, I don't know. Could have done something with bovril. Well, actually, there's like bull shots you could yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. But I looked that up and I was like, you would go, no, ugh, I don't want to. I don't particularly <laughs> want to do bull shots, but I would have, yeah, would have done it. Maybe For the should... sake of the podcast. <laughs> But no, no, we'll have a bell. If it makes you happy, no. maybe later we could do some beef-themed no, beef cocktails as a little video. So why don't we turn it into lovely content for our delicious listeners and we'll do another video. I want a beef-flavoured cocktail. And the truth comes out. <laughs> I just want to get angry at you about not having one. That's far more fun you than You know what? The secret one. ingredient is a bell. You started this fucking thing with Sicily. <laughs> you started it with Sicily. Uh, I've got, only got myself to blame for this. You only really, have yourself I? to blame. But now I'm like, fuck it. Yep. And now I think we're fine. You have done more than them than I have. Oh, we should tell those up. <laughs> Someone out there, please get a whiteboard and write up who's had the most ridiculous secret ingredients. So, Nick, with a bell yes. as the secret ingredient, what, what, what have you come up with? Well, unsurprisingly, I was unable to find anything with like metal shavings in it. So we have gone for a, a cocktail named with a bell in mind. So this week we have a Division Bell. Ooh, great Pink Floyd album. Ooh, Division Bell. See, that sounds nice. Yeah, well, mm, yeah, mm, yes. Okay, well, we have a Division Bell. <laughs> we have our secret ingredient. <laughs> yes. So I think, uh, before we kill each other, we should go to the Poisonous Cabinet Kitchen and shake up a storm. See you in a minute. See you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So a Division Bell. It is very pretty. It's very pretty. It's a nice little peachy sort of colour. Peachy Mm. hue. Talk us through it then, Nick. Well, I don't know if we should drink it first. Because I'm I'm not entirely convinced this is going to be nice. (laughs) So we have mezcal. Oh. Which is fun. Aperol. Uh Maraschino liqueur. Uh, mm. And lime. That is a weird concoction. It is a a bizarre concoction. Well, see, I like... um, Aperol, I've, I've come round to Aperol, it's very bitter. Aperol, yes. So this mezcal, I've noticed, has has the worm It has, it has a bottle. delightful little worm in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed to avoid that when pouring. And mezcal is quite different from tequila as far as I yes, remember. Yes, it is a lot more, I think it's got much more of a smoky sort of yes. taste to it. I find it a lot harsher. It's yeah. not a drink I particularly enjoy. Um, I tried mezcal at a tasting once and I, I did, yeah. I was uh, a little bit affronted. <laughs> so, okay, well. I'm um, intrigued by hmm, this. It so certainly has a potent aroma. Yeah, it, it certainly smells Mescally. a bit. <laughs> I don't want to say what it says. I'm going to taste it I'm first. And then, okay, it. we're going to taste it. It's actually surprisingly nice. That's nice. <laughs> Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. I, I'm, I'm going to confess the smell, a little bit of wee. Yeah. It, it has a kind of an ammonia-esque kind of... No, yeah, I don't there's know. There's something like familiar in there. I wouldn't say it was wee. Um, My wee obviously smells well, like pure alcohol. Potentially, yes, there is that. <laughs> a surprisingly nice drink. It's, it's, it's a lot cleaner. 
Yeah, it's really orangey. Because it's got a lot of lime juice in there. The lime Mm. juice concentration is quite high. So I think that is really cutting through a lot of the the Aperol and the Mezcal. But honestly, I wouldn't have thought... My my first thought wouldn't have gone to lime on that. I would have gone, this is a really fresh, bitter, but not too bitter orange drink. But it's really nice. I'm very surprised. I'm very pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, that's delicious. (laughs) Know what to do with a bottle of that bottle of Mezcal now. (laughs) It's mine. (laughs) Shan't be drinking it by the shots, but making a few more of these, I feel. Oh, thank God. Yeah, (laughs) because I was really worried about this one. And it does not smell good. It does not. No, the smell is not overly positive, but the taste is really nice. Right. So the division bell. The division bell has worked. Oh, really? Was bell a success, perhaps? No, I'd say this cocktail is a success. Secret ingredient was still nonsense. <laughs> well, with our division bells firmly in hand, Nick. Yes. Should I take you on a journey? But I want a story. Tell me a story. Let's start with a little story. Ooh. In 1925, a fire tears through one of London's most popular tourist attractions. Firefighters tackle through the blaze in 90 minutes, but the Baker Street building is a skeleton. Amidst the rubble, hundreds of bodies lie. Outside, the corpses are lined up against the wall, bodies frozen in their final moments, handless arms outstretched. Two heads, completely separated from their bodies, lie on the dirty cloth, their sightless eyes wide towards the heavens. There are but a few survivors from the blaze, Nick. (laughs) One, a parrot, whose reported first words after coming out of the building were, this is a rotten business. (laughs) But another figure will leave the building quite mark-free. Dr. Hawley Harvey Crippen. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yes, it's Crippen. We are doing Dr. Crippen for episode 25. It's not a surprise, as you would have read the description on the episode. Stop ruining this for me. <laughs> that's, that's a delightful story. Okay. Where, where was this tourist attraction? Well, I'm sure we'll come back to that later. Yesterday we are talking about one of the most famous poisoners of them all. And we can agree that, that Dr. Crippen is up there with the most famous names associated oh, gotcha. with poisoners. He only killed one person. Well, that's it. That on the surface, so famous. On the surface, it doesn't sound very impressive mm. compared to all the killers that we've covered in this podcast. But it stands out for a number of reasons. One, it was the first murder where the use of wireless telegraph assisted in the killer's apprehension. It was. It was one of those huge courtroom dramas. Media frenzy reported daily. It was just so huge. Everyone knew the name Crippin. And for me, at least, I think... The murder itself is possibly the most chilling, if it's Mm. true, of all the things we've covered. I've used a range of sources for this episode, which I will list in the episode notes. One I would really recommend is the book Thunderstruck by Eric Lawson. So Crippen was born in Coldwater, Michigan in 1862, son of Andresse and Myron. 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 Have you not heard of Myron? Yes, you have. Well, it's a name. Okay. <laughs> we could spend hours on this, but we have a lot we, to get through. We really to. <laughs> uh, Coldwater was quite a prosperous town, and the Crippen family had roots there stretching back many decades. Paulie's grandfather, uh, Philo Crippen, that Philo is a name Crippen. I've never heard. <laughs> That's a good name. He ran a dry goods store. Other Crippens opened businesses across the town. You had Crippens playing organ in the church, teaching children at the local school. And the Crippen men were strong, God-fearing stock. They were hard-working merchants and men of business, pillars of the community and acknowledged successes. Unfortunately, Hawley did not inherit his family's rugged masculinity. <laughs> now, Crippen was short. He was about five foot four. That is quite short. In his early 20s, he was already balding. He needed thick, round glasses. Sexy. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Served to accentuate his rather large, sad eyes. <laughs> You've got to think like the cat like from Magnifying Shrek. glasses. Yeah, they were. <laughs> People said that was, a, that was a nice trait of his, that he had these big, brown, like, really sad eyes. They're massive. One thing he did inherit from the Crippen males, he had very large ears. <laughs> and in his adult life, if anyone's seen a picture of Dr. Crippen, you will know that he possessed a very impressive moustache. Well, as one should. Bushy. Bushy it was. Now, he had a decent childhood, and he grows up to be quite a quiet, mild-mannered man. He has his heart set on a strong, steady career as a doctor. That you know, the name, the title of Dr. Crippen. Yes, that, that, that gives it away. I don't think he had that at that point. No, not when he was born. <laughs> I don't think he was born Dr. Crippen. <laughs> <laughs> the parents were very ambitious. Very, very, very high expectations going on there. <laughs> and he wasn't going to be a surgeon, or a GP, or anything to do with, um, shall we say, actual medicine. <laughs> No, he was to become a student and practitioner of homeopathy. 
Oh, nice. Yes. Now everyone has feelings about homeopathic medicines. I know people who swear by them, and genuinely they have had things cured uh, (laughs) by the power of their mind. (laughs) Back then, legitimate profession. Still a thing. There were schools of homeopathy, and you could go and study this. But yeah, not as prominent as a full medical degree, but respectable nonetheless. So it's worth pointing out, he's had no surgical training in his life. As far as I know, he would later say he'd never performed a post-mortem in his whole life. Oh, neither have I. (laughs) <laughs> but you don't call yourself Dr. Nick, except on weekends. Yes, I might start. Okay, running a poisoning podcast <laughs> and calling yourself Dr. That way madness lies. <laughs> but you can imagine as a homeopath, he knew a great deal about natural treatments and shall we say <laughs> poisons. <laughs> this is all surmised, by the way, in every quote and every kind of source about it. It's just, he's a homeopath. He must know about poisons. But one thing we do know is... He studied at the University of Michigan for homeopathy. He spent some time in his studies in London as an apprentice at St. Mary of Bethlehem. Oh, nice. Otherwise known as Bedlam. Bedlam. He was at Bedlam. Um, His treatments and his knowledge uh, allegedly were quite welcome at the asylum. Well, they didn't invite pokey sticks and... Yeah, All as manner of unpleasant, from, spiky things. Well, if someone comes along with something that's more calming than a pokey stick. Yeah. <laughs> this pokey stick isn't calming anybody. Yes. yes, these angry people are only getting angrier. What's going on? <laughs> this one's fine. Well, you've killed them. <laughs> he had a knowledge, obviously, that he was able to bring into the asylum. One of the areas of knowledge that were really beneficial there was he had quite a knowledge of hydrobromide of hyoscine. Oh, okay. thing, how you say Good it. for him. Yes. Member of the nightshade family, which could be used as a sedative for those suffering from mania or delirium. It's also used as motion sickness cure, but it's deadly in large doses. I'll just leave that in your memory there. <laughs> for no particular reason no, at no all. Reason no reason. No particular reason at all. Let's just move on quickly. <laughs> I hope you're taking notes at home. He returns to the USA. He finishes his studies in Cleveland. He goes on to open a practice in New York and seems to be on his way to having quite a respectable life. In 1887, he met and married a lady named Charlotte, a student nurse originally from Dublin. They moved to San Diego and they have a baby boy. Her Aww. life is quite good. Charlotte falls pregnant with baby number two. And drops dead oh. of apoplexy. That's not good. No, it's not good. With with baby or after baby born? With second oh, baby, no. sadly. Mm. Second baby and Charlotte die. That's sad. There's no suspicions around that? Good. Shit happens. <laughs> That's all we've got to say about it. Shit happens. People die. People, People die. die. Crippen's obviously heartbroken about this. I would hope. But you know what? He's got a two-year-old son. He knows he's got to do the right thing. He's got a moustache to grow. He's got a moustache to grow. He's got to teach the boy about growing moustaches. So he does the right thing. He packs him off to his grandparents in Los Angeles and he fucks off back to New York. <laughs> That's true. Crippen's son, off on the grandparents, doesn't see him again. I don't think that was desperately uncommon, I would have thought. Oh, Nick, you cruel man. Not now, but back then. would be surprised if it was as shocking as that would be. I'm now. shocked. You're shocked. Well, perhaps you're right. Maybe he was expecting to meet the boy on his 18th birthday. Quite, yes. <laughs> there was a kind of thing, present him at the key age. Absolutely. He's 10, a, he's 16. With a he's... firm handshake and a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You've done well, my son. So mm. it's interesting. If Crickman had probably been a better father, maybe it would have prevented all the horrors that were about to come if he'd actually done his duty. For it was while he was working in New York in the practice of a Dr. Jeffrey in 1892 that he met one Cora Cora Turner uh, was the name she gave, although she would later become more commonly known, for good and bad reasons, by her stage name, Belle Elmore. <laughs> See, this, this, is a, this is a tenuous link. It's, not, there's not even a bell in the thing. It's someone... Oh, she's no. called Belle. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Interesting fact, his first wife's surname was Belle as well. Yeah, no, it doesn't make, it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Belle Elmore, a very well-known name in, in years to come, for various reasons. <laughs> in fact, actually, neither of those names were her real name. We know the stage name, obviously, is not, but Cora wasn't even her real name. Her real name was <gasps> Kunigunda Makamotoski. That's quite a name. That is quite a name. What was it again? <laughs> <laughs> Kunigunda Makamotsky. Makamotsky. German mother, Russian-Polish father. I was going to say, it sounds like an Eastern, Eastern, Eastern European yeah. surname. Her mother and her father, they died differently. When she was young, they, they were both dead by the time she met Dr. Crippen and she had a stepfather living in Brooklyn. 
Now, Cora, Cora dreamed of becoming a famous opera singer. That was her dream. Her Don't stepfather had taken her to the opera one day and she had seen the lights and the beautiful outfits that people were wearing and the wonderful divas on stage. Yes, yes, that is what I want. That is what I want. And she saw to it that she would have this uh, a career in this field. Didn't matter that she couldn't really sing <laughs> or act. Doesn't often matter to people, really. No, or, or do anything. <laughs> She was going to get singing lessons and she was going to train for this career on the stage. And she was quite convinced well, that her future... Well, about determination. Absolutely. That's, that's, it's grit, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. doesn't matter if you can't hit a high C nope. or a low B. I know what I want and that's what I'm going for. You're quite inspired by Cora now. Absolutely, I love Cora. <laughs> you love her bell. Cora or bell? Should we call her bell just no. to remind us about what's happened? No, because it annoys me. <laughs> and it didn't matter that she didn't come from a rich family. Not when there are plenty of men around <laughs> to help you. You see, for what Cora lacked in talent, she made up in curves. <laughs> Cora was, as was repeatedly described of the time and even now, voluptuous. 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 We don't use that word enough. <laughs> Nowadays, it's just dad ass. <laughs> <laughs> so just picture that dad ass. There we are. So no, I say she that was... all the time. What dad ass or voluptuous? <laughs> in every yes. in every occasion. Uh, when she was in her late teens, she began an affair with a married stovemaker. High heights there, as you're saying her sights high. Um, who set her Could've up start in somewhere. A, absolutely. Set her up in a flat in New York and paid for her singing lessons. Well, there we go. And in return, you know, she sang him lovely songs. Quite right. Well, I'm having sure sex with I'm him. Sure she did other things as well. She had <laughs> sex with him. So by the time that young Cora uh, met Dr. Hawley Harvey Cribbon at the age of about 19 at this time in 1892. She was already a woman of the world. <laughs> and Crippen was smitten. That rhymes. Crippen was smitten. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> Cora was pleasing on the eye, but also chatty and affecting, vivacious, flirtatious. Voluptuous. They, that was the thing that really attracted him to her. <laughs> no, she was a very chatty, animated woman. And they did the usual things. They would go to lunch. They would uh, take a walk together. And it was agreed they would be married. And her young age and her seeming experience didn't bother Crippen either. Because at the practice where they met, she had previously been seeing Dr. Jeffrey for some um, female problems. Female problems. Shall we say. Dr. Crippen would later write in his journal that he believed it to be a miscarriage. Or perhaps something Potentially else. something else. Maybe something else. But this procedure would leave its mark on Cora. So much so that she would later have to go and undergo an operation to remove her ovaries. Mm-hmm. An operation that would not only leave her physically scarred, but would also prevent her from ever having children. Well, if your ovaries are gone, then yes, that's... Th- th- that'll that's, do it. That's, that's going to do it, really. That'll do it. Yep. That'll do it. The couple were wed, and Crippen took over the payments for Cora's singing lessons. She was expecting a glamorous life on stage, with his money to support them. But income started to dwindle due to the Depression of 1893. Soon, they were moving to far less glamorous rooms. Smaller accommodation. Eventually, at one point, they had to board with Cora's stepfather in Brooklyn. And this is where the marriage starts to feel strained. Mm. And all that glitz and glamour and the romance of the early stages starts to feel a bit tainted. Cora was described at the time as a robust animal. (laughs) Her vitality was that of a loud, aggressive and physical kind. (laughs) That seems to exhaust the atmosphere around it and is undoubtedly exhausting to live with. I know, I know people like that. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> oh, I'm a delight. No, you do know, we do know people like that. Like, oh God, it, I, I can't see them. It's too much. It's too much. No, she, she had this reputation of just being, she was a great company to some, but so full on, eccentric, all the ball gowns, all of their jewellery and everything had to be done for this life that she wanted on the stage. Quite right. All the ball grounds. Absolutely. Crippen, on the other hand, was described as intelligent, quiet, and docile as a kitten. How many ball grounds did he have? Only the five. Only the five. (laughs) Only the five. And they were all a pallid (laughs) grey. Now, he was going to enormous lengths to please his increasingly demanding wife, who was not only getting angrier with him for not providing the lifestyle that she thought she deserved, but was also seeking the attention of other men. 
Rude. Crippen did have a stroke of luck working with a, a medicine patent manufacturer and his career flourished over the few years. He was earning a lot of money. He was doing very well and it was a good steady job. He had a job in Philadelphia. But Cora continued to be annoyed. She wasn't famous and demanded that she needed an apartment in New York to Quite right. continue her singing lessons and her visits from Bieber. <laughs> Agents. Casting couch. She would bring her own casting couch. (laughs) I'm prepared. (laughs) I'm prepared. You are applying for a bank loan. (laughs) Eventually, Crippen would be sent to London for work. And Cora initially refused to go with him. She had a career to think of. She demanded that she stayed in New York. And Crippen's paying for the apartment and paying for everything. So Crippen travelled alone to England at the first point and Mm. set up rooms in London. Now, after a short amount of time, Cora finally takes on board what everyone has been saying to her for years, you can't sing. You're not good at this. You're not good at the (laughs) opera. So she decides she's going to take a different act. She's going to move into music hall. Excellent. Yeah. This is what I like. That's what we like. Was she in like Les Mis or something? That's been going on for a long time. (laughs) She wrote, I think she wrote Les Mis. Yep, she was there at the point, playing all the parts. Yeah, it's been around a while. She must have been in it. For this reason... She decided to come to London because um, at the time, Music Hall in London... It's a big thing. ...far more respectable yeah, as well. Uh, vaudeville Variety, it was called, mm. in, in London. The, the, the Royal Family endorsed it. Mm. Whereas in America, it's still seen as the thing that the prostitutes do. <laughs> uh, still now. But yeah, Vaudeville was a lot more bawdy, but in yeah. London had a degree of respectability. And you have these amazing stars of the, the stage. You get know, Marie Lloyd and Sandra Bernhardt and everyone. So she decides, okay, for that reason, for my career, I'll Crim, come to London. London. Crippen would later write, when she came to England, her manner was entirely changed. She'd cultivated the most ungovernable temper and seemed to think I was not good enough for her. She boasted of the men of good position travelling on her boat who made a fuss over her, and some of them visited her. I do not know their names. (laughs) Oh, that's sad. Mm. That's quite sad. Bear in mind that Crippen, during this time... She's not very nice, really. She's not great. She's not great. Killer. That's what I said. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Was that a spoiler? <laughs> now, Cora, Cora is not a nice person. She is overbearingly. She's she's larger than life and 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 great fun in many respects. But she's not talented. She's she's not liked by a huge amount of people. She has mm. friends. She has very close friends I'm because sure. she's entertaining. But she's horrible to grip it. Mm. And people report on it constantly. You know, later on, there are many, many reports about her just being, just just browbeating him and just snapping and being short with him. He continued to work while Cora forged her careers in the music halls. And she was so sure of her success. You know, she she started writing her own libretto with a lot of help from other people. Preparing for the adulation of the critics, she premiered her first show. It lasted one week. (laughs) And she was named the Brooklyn Mutzable. Nice. Because of her voluptuousness. <laughs> Interesting later on, in the 1907, this few years later, but in the musical strike, so she crossed the picket line. While all the other performers, to get to her stage. Yeah, while all the other performers were standing on the picket line. Yeah. But when people were annoyed about it, Marie Lloyd herself urged her companions not to stop her, saying, she's such a bad performer, uh-huh. she'll, she'll empty the hall anyway. <laughs> Excellent. I like that a lot. So she was known. Belle Elmore was known later on. For how terrible she was. For how terrible she was. So her career, the grand career that she'd envisaged was spiralling to nothing. And she just was now singing at smoking concerts and doing some bits of vaudeville, but was just not very well respected. She insisted on being called Belle, openly started to take on lovers. And she was quite open with it, allegedly, to Crippen. She would taunt him with this all the time, flaunting their names and love letters to him. Now, Crippen himself is being a bit of a... What's a nice word for pussy? (laughs) (laughs) He's he's being a pushover. He's not standing up for himself. He is small, small, mild-mannered man, wide-eyed man. He, at some point, has been sacked from Munions around 1899 for spending too much time managing his wife's career. Ah. And they probably sacked him because it's shit. It's shit. shit. What are you doing? What are you doing? He ends up working for um, an institution for the deaf. And there in 1900, he meets his young secretary, Ethel Lene. Sexy name. Sexy name, definitely. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So Ethel was young, kind, and sweet. She had a very angular kind of face, apparently. When, when voluptuousness was the thing, <laughs> she was quite slight and flighty, kind of Audrey Hepburn sort of style, well, yeah. we assume. And she had seen herself Belle's treatment of him. There were reports that she would later give to the courts about how Belle would storm into the office and go into Crippen's office and scream and berate him for this thing and that thing, just mm. basically treat him like a slave and then storm out and, sh- and Ethel would go in. And Crippen was white and pale, she actually described. You feel sorry for him. Yeah, she actually described it as he looked like he'd taken poison. Oh, he didn't. BTS. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they developed a kinship and kept a cordial, close friendship. Terribly respectful. Absolutely. For for five years. Pretty good guy. It was about five years before they eventually started an affair. Oh, his wife, his wife shagged everyone in London. He shagged <laughs> everyone in London, including Ethel. <laughs> She's like, come on, have a go. By the time that Crippin and Ethel had begun their affair, and as we've established that Cora Bell had been shagging everybody, yep. the, the married couple had moved into 39 Hilldrop Crescent in Holloway. And they had separate bedrooms. Well, quite. Uh, to supplement their now tiny income, they took in lodgers. Belle thought that was great. She can shag them. Shag, shag, shag. all the lodgers. There are differing reports about how many lovers she had. There was one uh, that would persist, a, a chap by the name of Miller, who was a boxer, I believe. But, you know, people would say all sorts of things about Cora later on. Some saying she was a saint. Some people saying, no, 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 she did all the things. They're both carrying on with their own lovers. But things apparently took a sour turn on the 31st of January, 1910. Oh, the Crippins threw a dinner party for their close friends, Paul and Clara Martinetti. At this meal, they enjoyed many salads and a joint of roast beef. Nice. That is all I had, Nick. That is all I had. <laughs> there were references to things like champagne and coffee. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. Done those. I know. Later on, it was said that they had a selection of sweets for dinner. And I was like, what are they? And I searched and searched and searched. <laughs> you know what? We've got a nice cocktail. It's fine. So they enjoy their salads and their joint of beef. And a lovely time was had by all. Uh, Paul and Clara would, would later on say that it was a very nice evening. But there was an incident. The people had come to dinner reported and then that Crippen would report later on. At one point, Paul went to use the toilet upstairs in the house. As one would. Cora apparently went mental at Crippen for not escorting him to the toilet. Right. Should have shown him the Absolutely. way to the toilet. Should have done. Might get yeah. lost. Might get lost. Might get lost. Just just was 
going mad about that. I think there was a bit of tension when the guests were there. They left. Crippen said that she was yelling about that. Now, maybe this is Crippen saying it, but they, the guests sort of thought this had happened. Whatever it is, you went to the toilet. You bastard! Why did you not do this? <laughs> I left my pants on the floor. <laughs> Why did you not go and hold his cock for him? <laughs> That's what guests do. We're in our society, love. Whatever was said was said. Everyone went away thinking the night had been a success. By the next morning, Bella Elmore is missing. On that day, Crippen went to work calm, normal, quite his normal self. No one noticed a single thing about him. But it only took a few days for Bell's musical friends to start asking questions of where she was. Crippen explained with a heavy heart, at first, that she had fled to America. Then he changed his story. Why? Because that would have been a perfectly valid explanation. She's fucked off with some of her lovers. He then changes it to, she's gone to America, but she's ill. She's really ill. In fact, she's dead. Oh, God. She died. Oh. She died. She died. People had questions. People, friends were asking, well, what happened? Where, where, where did she die? Is she cremated? Do you have the ashes? What's happened? Crippen was unsure and vague on all of these accounts. Not, not really sure, claiming he hadn't been told the details. I think at one point he said he had her ashes in a safe. But everyone was thinking, okay, okay, this is weird. No one was really questioning it. Maybe they were more upset because one month later, Ethel moves into the house. <laughs> And within days, Ethel is wearing Cora's jewellery and clothes. So if you just stuck with, she buggered off to America, went with one of her umpteen lovers and has gone to the States. Everyone would have gone, yep, yeah, fine, she's a bitch. She, that's the sort of thing she, she would do. And well, no one would have thought anything about it. Ethel moves in and she's fairly <sighs> naive. She sees the house in a sort of state of disarray, like all of Cora's clothes and Belle's clothes everywhere and all her costume stuff. She's given the jewellery and the, and the clothes. You have to wonder, if she did fuck off to the States, why did she take anything with her? Yes. If she's that ostentatious, why is all her jewellery there? Well, while Crippen may have been feeling smug, Belle's music hall friends were not happy. And it was, it was down to one woman. <laughs> I love this bit. One woman who would first report it to the police. The strong woman, Kate Williams, otherwise known as... Volcana! <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> she was a huge woman screaming at the police, find my friend. They're like, okay, whatever you want, we don't mind. Volcana, that's Volcana. an excellent name. A few more well-known figures in the musical scene also reported the police and nudged and said, no, 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 this is weird. She never bloody leaves this place. She, she's, she's always <laughs> you here. You have to drag her off stage and we now she hasn't rocked up. planning to kill her. <laughs> so they asked for an investigation. Enter Inspector Walter do you? Ooh. Does that name ring a bell to you? No. He was involved in another very famous case. A few years earlier. Was he a ripper person? He was a ripper person. Oh. He was a detective constable working on the Jack of the Ripper oh, case. Oh, Apparently knew Mary Kelly. And uh, the sight of Mary Kelly's body mm. scarred him for life. That would be understandable. I yeah. don't think it was a pleasant thing to be observe. Yeah. But you can imagine detective constable working on the biggest case never caught the killer. Hmm. But now, now, Spectre, Inspector. Inspector, and he's called into the case. He pays a visit to Crippen. It's the first time Crippen's asked some questions about what's happening. Ethel is somewhere in the house going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Crippen seemed eager to tell the detectives the truth. Is that Cora was not dead. She had left him. She, he had lied about her being ill and dead to avoid scandal because she had gone to America with a lover. Oh, I see. So he goes back on his story. He changes it about three times, but he says to them, no, no, I'm really... It's embarrassed just... Embarrassed that she Terribly embarrassed. Terribly embarrassed. The detective and the constable searched the house. Nothing untoward. In fact, Inspector Jew didn't suspect Crippen of murder at that stage. Murder had not entered his head. Mm. He was happy to believe his story about the wife running away with the lovers, leaving the miserable husband. Crippen didn't know this. And he makes the fatal error that so many people make. He ran. Oh, fool. After Inspector Jew finishes, who is walking away thinking the guy's fine, he and Ethel flee to Brussels. Foolishness. Foolish man. Could have got away with it. Could have got away with it if it went for my crippling self-doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Off they go. In London, on learning of Crippen's actions, Inspector Dew ordered more thorough searches of the house. And there are four searches. First three, nothing. But the fourth one... Do they go to the cellar? They go to the cellar. <laughs> to the coal cellar. Yes. And as they break the clay soil, the stench was suddenly unbearable. Beneath the soil, they found a mass of flesh. Ugh. 
and it is literally flesh. The police retrieve a human torso from the ground. The skin, complete with the viscera, should be the mm. organs, everything attached. No head, no limbs, and no bones whatsoever. That's pretty impressive. Someone had simply carved the flesh off the bones and laid it there, and it was wrapped in a man's pyjama top. That's not very nice. That's a lot of work. That's that's the thing that gets me about this case. That is a mass of flesh. Someone has had to ret- get the bones out. Aye. Read everything. There's no trace of anything. The head, the, the limbs, the teeth, the bones, never found. Never found. It's impossible it's... to even know the victim's gender because I mean, there's no genitals. A, yeah, is it, is it an, are you just an identification thing? So they wouldn't be able to know. Well, how do you say who you don't know who it is? Because the woman's gone missing. This is her house. So it's not going to take a leap to guess who that per- who those remains are. Well, the skin was tested and found uh, to contain traces of hyacinth. I'll do it. They had poison we mentioned earlier. And there was also a large scar on the abdomen. Remember we talked earlier about how Mm. Cora in her early days had had to have that operation to remove her ovaries and would show people the scar a lot. She had this weird thing. She showed it to her sister. She showed it to other people that she had this impressive scar. (laughs) So there is a scar. The scar is... Yeah, we're in a fight. We're in a war, mate. <laughs> it's this one piece of evidence, really, that is used to identify the corpse's belonging mm. to Belle Elmore, nay, Cora Turner, nay, Kundungi, whatever her name is. But the question is how? And why? How did Crippen, small, mild-mannered man, kill and dismember his wife, a woman much larger than him, a man with no training in post-mortem examination or surgery, apparently removed every single bone in her body and disposed of them. Well, when it, would it be... I mean, obviously, it would be a horrendous mess, but when it, is it that difficult to remove the bones? If you're just going at it with a knife <laughs> or something. <laughs> Maybe. There's how many bones in the human body? Well, there's body? a lot. There's 230-something, isn't it? I think it's a lot. It seems just strange it to is, have done it, it in that way. Yes, it certainly does. Well, hold on to those thoughts. Okay. We'll come back and discuss the to? theories. They're not pleasant. No, hold on to them. You <laughs> held that in your mind. Whatever happened, the body lay in the cellar and Crippen and Ethel had fled. It was enough. Yes. News spread like wildfire. The North London cellar murder, the newspapers <laughs> reported. Images of Crippen circulated as the manhunt began. Now, Crippen and Ethel were already beyond Brussels, where they'd originally fled to. They were now on their way to Canada, aboard the SS Montrose. And they, Crippen says, we have to go in disguise. He says, it's the best hope is that I'm being investigated for something that's not that I didn't do. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. We'll go abroad in disguise. Crippen shaves off his moustache and removes his glasses. No one would ever know. He's Superman, apparently. <laughs> Ethel, he dresses as a boy. Nice. Well, you said she she was very slight and angular. Yes. So, 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 so yeah, he, he cuts her hair, he gives her clothes, and that they will pretend to be father and son. She's wearing oversized clothes and a cap and walking around and people are going, that's definitely a woman. <laughs> but either way, the couple are far, far away from London when the discovery is made. And they seem to be on their road to freedom. First class, all the way to Canada aboard the ship. Now we jump to the SS Montrose. Fairly nice ship, perfectly pleasant, not, not particularly luxurious, but one that has the very latest in technology on board. A wireless telegraph transmitter how fancy it's very fancy very fancy transmitters are massive oh god they're huge you couldn't have passengers anywhere near the room (laughs) where it was because they were so loud and buzzy and people just like there's electricity everywhere i don't like but yeah we know that the wireless is used in those days to send what we know as morse code dot dot and dash dash messages a miracle of engineering and we meet captain george kendall uh, 35 at this time he's got an amazing life beforehand I'm going to run through some of the stuff the shit that he's done he served on the ship Iolanthe where he saw a crewmate killed by another crewmate who was unstable uh, that crewmate stalked him for ages to try nice. and silence him didn't work he then went on to try gold mining in Australia that, that didn't work he was later marooned on a place called Thursday Island for trying to stow away on a ship <laughs> He would then go on to harvest pearls for a living. Nice. And then, possibly his best career, is he joined a ship that harvested seagull excrement for farms in Europe. Nice. An excellent job. What's worse is while on that ship, a storm almost destroyed the boat and he and his crew, the crew on that ship, were stranded for 195 days, starving and surrounded by bird shit. That's that's not fun. That's... (laughs) This man is amazing. <laughs> Drama follows him yeah, wherever he same, goes. Well, he's, he's not led a boring life. <laughs> so Captain Kendall obviously has lived quite the life. He's a pretty savvy captain. 
he keeps up the chatter with his passengers, he's very observant, he's pleasant, he can crack a joke, he keeps up with the news. Before setting off from their docking point in Belgium, he bought a copy of the Daily Mail newspaper, which is full of stories about the North London cellar murder. Mm. Sure to be the talk of the captain's table, he thinks. And it's while walking on deck, Captain Kendall spies two men. It's Mr. Robinson and his son, who are holding hands. He remarks that one squeezes the other hand in a manner that was not usual for fathers and sons. Yes, entirely standard. He says, it seemed unnatural. I suspected them at once. (laughs) Quite right. (laughs) First of all, he's a homophobe. But think about it. Even if Ethel was anywhere near as convincing as a boy, her height would mean she would have to be a teenage boy. Teenage boys don't hold a daddy's hand. Did you? No, I didn't believe so. No, you didn't so, at 16 hold daddy's hand. No, bad, 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 <laughs> bad idea. No, bad the captain idea. is the captain is savvy. He he sees that this is odd and he, he sort of notes the observations down. He notices also that Mr. Robinson has a mark on his nose with spectacles that uh. look like where his spectacles had been. And the captain also observed that he can tell he shaved off his moustache and was growing a beard. Can you tell that? Well, you can do, yes. If it's, if it's recent, yeah, with the shadow of where yeah. you, if you've got a tan or something like that when obviously the yeah. sun hasn't got through. And oh, that's a good point. Your, yeah. Well, even, even more damning, later in the dining room where he's walking amongst and goes and sees the first pl- uh, class passengers, he noticed that young Robinson, the, the son, notices his lady-like manner in the way that the boy picked up fruit with two fingers instead of grabbing it with a fist, like men do. <laughs> Dainty picking up the thing. Did you go into the wrong bathroom or something like that as well? <laughs> also, the captain, this is even better, like the captain follows them out of the restaurant and walks down the deck behind them shouting, Mr. Robinson, Mr. Robinson, and they don't turn round until about a minute <laughs> later. And then turn around. Oh, hello. Oh, you met me. (laughs) I press down on your foot. You smile and nod. They're not good at this. They're not good at this. The captain is loving this. He's writing all of this down. He thinks this is brilliant. Great time. Because he's gone back and looked at the newspaper, and he can see Crippen's face, and he's put two and two together. He's like, "Oh my!" And this is this is huge news. Mm, He knows it's on the front of the Daily Mail. Oh my God, we've got killer on the ship and he is so excited he also sees at one point the wind blows mr robinson's jacket tails away and he sees he's holding he's got a revolver in his trousers and the captain then said after that point i carried a revolver as well quite right i'm surprised that the wind didn't blow up young robinson's (laughs) trousers to reveal a skirt and a vagina how Um, would that work Exactly, blowing up trousers. We're just blowing anything. You have not thought that through. It's a girl. So all of this evidence is enough to spur the captain into action. Just before the ship loses range, he has the telegraphist send the following message to the authorities. Have strong suspicions that Crippen, London cellar murderer and accomplice are among the saloon passengers. Mustache taken off. Growing beard. Accomplished dressed as boy. Manner and build, undoubtedly a girl. (laughs) I love that bit of shade at the end. <laughs> She's shit at disguise. She's just terrible. <laughs> if Crippen had travelled in third class, he got away with it. Would have got away with it. Yeah, because he never. The captain wouldn't have, never would have seen. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't have bothered. Wouldn't have bothered him. Another little twist irony: the captain later saw Crippen Robinson looking up at the wireless transmitter from the deck and marvelling about what a wonderful piece of technology it was. <laughs> and this would be the thing that seals his fate. So Inspector Jew is alerted. He boards a faster ship. Uh, the SS Laurentic, I think it is, uh, speeds his way to Canada so he can arrive first, get on the boat, make the arrest. Must Mean- be a damn speedy ship. It, it, well, yeah, it just it just is faster. It's smaller. It's a tug. It's a rowboat. It's a row. It's just rowing, rowing across to Canada. the Atlantic. Come on, come on! He's so excited. What's even better is that, and what the captain's loving is that while on the ship, obviously they can sell it, send telegraph messages out. No one knows what's happening in the news. Mm. The newspapers know about these messages. They know that. Crippin is on this ship. Oh. They are reporting it. The newspapers are messaging the captain every day going, give us more news. And he's like, yes, here is what he's reading. Here is what he's wearing. what <laughs> so he had for lunch. Here's what he had for lunch. He's just, he is loving this shit. The captain, there's recordings of him giving the details. I noticed he was walking and I immediately felt it was suspicious. He really has this voice of like, I love this. Finally. <laughs> So the world knows what's happening on this boat. That's why it's such a big case. So there's Inspector Jew. He gets gets to Canada ahead of it. He can get on the ship and, and apprehend him. Then he liaises with the captain. Captain, still loving this, goes, instead of just arresting him, why don't you come on board disguised as a crew member? <laughs> so you can apprehend him face to face in one of those wonderful do no more ways. <laughs> 
Dew agrees to do this. Excellent. <laughs> he actually still has to identify the people because you've all been saying this is crippling. Well, could yeah, be indeed. No could... It could be a pineapple. <laughs> could be two harmless gay people having a cruise. <laughs> Inspector Dew enters the ship in disguise as a crew member. Apparently, he and a mass of other people on this one small boat say, like, have to row up to the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Crippin is on the deck at this point and is looking at this boat heaving with people about to come on for this apprehension. And he's going, hmm, that's a lot of people in that little boat. That's a bit weird. That's a bit weird. Why is the crew coming in? Like, there's a crew member standing there going, uh-huh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure, why not? And as the new crew board the ship on the 31st of July in 1910, the Captain Kendall introduces the crew to the first-class passengers. Mr. Robinson extends his hand. And Inspector Jew steps up, takes his hand, takes off his cap and says, Good morning, Dr. Crippin. That's an excellent way of doing it's it. It's such a good that's, way that's to do it. That's a brilliant way of doing it. You would hold out for that. Crippin's face falls and he replies quietly, Good morning, Mr. Jew. And then he says, Thank God it's over. The suspense has been too great. I couldn't stand it any longer. And he holds out his wrists for the handcuffs. Ethel is arrested in her cabin, faints while it's happening. Oh, quite right. Drew has to catch her. So Crippen and Ethel are tried separately at the Old Bailey in October 1910. Crippen's trial lasts just four days. Pathologist Bernard Spilsbury. 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 He testifies for the prosecution. He admits they can't identify the torso remains or even discern whether they were male or female, but they say the abdominal scar was consistent with Cora's medical history. They also see that large quantities of hyacinth Hyacene or Hyacine, I'm never sure how to pronounce that, were found in the remains. And Crippen was known to have bought extra quantities a few days before the murder. The defence just stick with the story that Cora had fled to America with another man and suggested that a previous owner of the house was responsible for the remains. Oh, right. Mm. False flat. The matching pyjama bottoms, you remember it was uh, the remains yeah, were wrapped in pyjama top. top. The matching pyjama bottoms were found in the house. In Crippen's bedroom, but not at the top. <laughs> Crippen shows no remorse throughout the trial, not for his wife, for his disappearance, yeah. or anything, but he is very determined to prove that Ethel is blameless. He defends her to the well, hill. That's nice. It takes the jury 30 minutes to find Crippen guilty, and he is sentenced to death by hanging, and he's mm. executed on the 23rd of November, 1910. Ethel is acquitted. Good. For being an accessory after the fact. She would later move to Canada, and she would die in 1967. Strange thing, even when you think 67, that long ago. That's when she died. She yeah, yeah. quite old then. Even then, I'm sure this was a relative, still a, quite a famous case. Referenced everywhere. In the, in the 60s she and was, 50s well, I think and stuff like that. tried to distance Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. Completely. But to know that you were that, that must, that must be mm. incredibly strange to have to live with that. There we go. Such a famous thing. And remember the, the fire I mentioned at the beginning? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Where did you think that was? Madame Tussauds. It was Madame Tussauds. <laughs> fire at Madame Tussauds. Crippen was famously interred, as it were, in the yep. Chamber of Horrors. And Crippen's waxwork figure was one of the only models that escaped I, unscathed. I did know that. Yeah. And the pictures from that fire that I described at the beginning are oh, terrifying. terrifying. Absolutely, with all the melty people and stuff And it's just stacked bodies outside. just yeah. lying there and it's, ah, it's horrible. Oh yeah, but no, Crippen I've seen was, those pictures. Whole. And that is the story of it's Dr. Dr. Crippen. I mean, it, it's a fantastic story. It's a brilliant story, but just how famous he is. I mean, he killed one person, which is a terrible thing. But we've come across people who have killed so, so, so many yeah. more in much more... I mean, okay, the way of getting rid of the corpse was not pleasant, but we've encountered a lot worse people. Mm. But considering he is so famous, he yeah. is so, he is like the poster boy of poisoners. I think it's because of the media. On yeah, that absolutely. One. Yeah, and and it was hard to an extent without finding books that are written almost like a novel. Yeah, that really convey the fact that while on this ship. This is like a, it's like watching the manhunt with OJ mm. car chase, watching that live, and everyone around the around the world going, "Oh my God, is he the is he the killer? And are they going to catch him?" It's sort of the equivalent going, yeah. "There is a murderer." Yeah, and he went on the run with his new lover and things. It's all romantic and dramatic, and exactly. I'm sure a great tabloid fodder. Would well, you want to hear some theories? I would love to. So theories about why he did it. One, he used the poison to silence her, once and for all. Very horrible to him. She was he, a nasty woman. He hacked up her body to hide it. Issue with that is usually poisons are used to disguise death. It's a strange combination of things. Because mm -hmm. you would think you would poison someone and then... general reason for removing heads and things like that is so you mask the identity of your victim. 
Hmm. But people were going to know who this was. She's gone missing. It's her house. It's not going to be difficult to, to identify this person or make an assumption as who this person is. So why that so dramatic and vicious sort of dismemberment and deboning? Um, why go to that trouble? Why and go to that trouble? Bury her in your own yeah, house. Yeah, that is a really bizarre thing to, to do. Theory number two. She was taking drugs from Crippin, like Hyacene or Hyacene, mm. to treat her bad temper. Or he was dosing her and she had an accidental overdose. He was dosing her to calm her down because she was so volatile. Yeah. And he gave her an accidental overdose or he slipped a bit too much in and she died. And it was a complete accidental death and then he tried to cover his tracks. I'm not convinced about an accidental no? thing. Right, I could buy that. There's a very good, I think on BBC or on BBC Sounds, there's a good radio play, very compressed. And they play out that idea and it would describe the panic, but it doesn't to me describe why you would eviscerate the body in that way. Yeah. I think it's a man who's just been pushed for years and years, just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and has finally just snapped. Theory number th- well, three is kind of like related to the first one, but she was killed because she had VD. I'm oh, angry about that. Okay, so nonsense. theory number four, which has a postscript as well, she did leave him, and that wasn't her body. Mm-hmm. It was either the body of a woman he carried out a botched abortion on, or it was a different body entirely, possibly a man's. That would have come out, surely. If she had left, it would, she would have surfaced at some point. Her personality does not seem to be the sort of who is going to hide in a in a rural <laughs> town for the rest of her life. I mean, she um, she might have changed her name completely. Yeah, mm, no, I don't. Yeah, I th- I think I don't think she could have resisted trying to get back on stage or trying to do something, and someone mm. would have uh, sort of recognised her or identified her. So in 2007, new research was carried out in uh, Michigan State University. And this has been a theory that has been expanded by Crippen's family and by other people who are associated with the, with the case. But in 2007, this new research used DNA samples from the skin and from Cora's relatives, uh, living relatives mm-hmm. and distant relatives. And they reported that the body in the cellar was, in fact, male. There were also claims that the scar on the abdomen, and this was in the case and also now, that the scar on the abdomen was not the same one as Cora's, that it had hairs growing from it, which would not be consistent Mm. with the scar that she had. A lot of back and forth about it. Some people saying this is concrete evidence, others disputing the tests that were done, saying that they are negligible. Really, it is down the middle, but yeah. I mean, can you get DNA off flesh 100 years later? You can test these things. I, I mean, I believe, I don't I mean, know. Fair enough, yeah, with bone and stuff like that, you can do, because you can do bone for hundreds and hundreds the, of years. The, the samples but exist. But there, there, were, there were no bones left. Well, they have been preserved. So they kept the, some of the fleshy bits. Well, you know what? I think this area is one that we could talk about with one of our upcoming expert this witnesses. Is true. This is very true. Because we might just have an expert witness soon who has some experience with the dead. Or we might not. You don't know. We don't know. But there we go. Those are, the, those are the theories. Those are the theories. Interesting. Cribbin is famous pretty sure because of the wireless side of things. Yes. Because it was famous because he was caught by wireless. First case ever. To me, the, the murder? What the hell happened I mean, to that, that body? That is a horrendous thing to... I mean, to have done that. Of mm. killing someone in the heat of the moment. It happens. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. It happens. But then... To go to those lengths of removing every bone on the but that's some sort of serial killer shit going exactly. on there. Exactly, and it doesn't um, it doesn't sort of fit with his yeah. profile. And this is and Crippen is known as a poisoner. He's known as a poisoner. Yeah. He's got the least creds of anyone we've talked about um, as a poisoner because we know that she had been t- taking this drug. Did it mean he used it to kill her, or was this person just taking it and then was hacked to pieces? By a frenzied lunatic. It's it is, it is, horrible. It is intriguing. It is intriguing. I always wonder, like, why did Ethel agree to go in disguise? Because I mean, she knew about it and she knew they were on the run. There are some people who go, she knew. She knew exactly what she'd done and she was in on it. Yeah. Others, she didn't know. Or he said, I have a fetish for girls dressed as boys. I'm, Come I'm on thinking... holiday with me. <laughs> that, that one probably less so. Maybe if she posed as an underage child, he'd get a discount on the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that that could that could be it. No, I think not necessarily that she was in on the murder, but certainly knew that he had to 
escape. Yes, she knew she knew he and had to escape. I think she believed him. Yes. I just do what I was told. I'm only a lady. There we go. The case of Dr. Crippen. It's a good, I mean, it's a good one for 25. It's a good, it's a good meaty one. Well, meaty. Fleshy. No, the flesh, fleshy. fleshy. It's a good fleshy. fleshy one. But what do you guys think? Does he deserve the, the notoriety? Notoriety. Notoriety is, is that he word. had. I mean, he's referencing everything. He's, he's in a Kate Bush song, for God's mm. sake. Does he deserve the notoriety? <laughs> Share your thoughts, your theories, your ideas. I'd really like to know about what you guys think about Crippen in particular because he's so famous talk to us on the social media the social media the social media if you like what you hear share our podcast tell your friends the more people who know about us the more we can keep doing this oh quite absolutely drink cocktails the recipe will be out on the friday evening the friday evening. the friday evening on the social um, media on the social media and i would highly recommend it's not ingredients you're gonna have in the cupboard necessarily i, I think i think a lot of our american listeners will potentially potentially the mezcal is more of an american and apple Thing. you could swap out for Campari no maybe? Campari would be too bitter would it yeah okay. the maraschino cherry by now you should have that guys. you should you should you have, should that, have that by now guys but mezcal you can work with Aperol's easy and Aperol's not expensive and it's not expensive no it's good and have an Aperol in the house because you can have an Aperol spritz quite yes which is quite delicious and you've got limes so I would heartily recommend this one. It is surprisingly tasty. Yeah. And also, I want to see pictures of you drinking cocktail in your poisonous cabinet T-shirt. Yeah. So bitches. things will be on the Teespring. We make Final no money merch. out of it, but we no, like we to spread the word. Exactly. <laughs> and also visit us on Patreon if you haven't seen it before. Lots of extra content on there. So we have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.